Uh, today we're actually continuing our Love on Display series, and the reason that we're talking about this today really fits in line with, with what we typically think of as moms and women and aunts and, and sisters, this idea that love is aware. Love is aware of others. And I don't know about you, but I typically think that, I think of like love being aware. If I had to choose like my mom or my dad, who is more aware of me and my needs and my emotions? Like it's mom, you know? And if I had to think about who's more aware of my kids, like me or my wife, it's mom. And and I just, I have a friend, Alicia. We were riding bikes last year with a whole group and we were climbing up this hill together and panting and, you know, it's tough climb. And and we we're talking back and forth a little bit about men and women somehow. And, and Alicia said, well, you know, she said, you guys, you know, typically you have this really great natural ability to nurture yourselves, right? <laughs> to take care of yourselves. And, and women typically have a, a very natural, more capable, really great way of nurturing others around them. And, and I said, can you say that again? And, uh, and so she said it again. And I said, that is the most fantastic, gentle way I've ever been told that I'm selfish. And like, that is a really nurturing way to tell me how selfish I am. Like, she totally nurtured me and smacked me down at the same time. And, uh, and moms, we just, we love that about you. Aunts and grandmas and sisters and women in general, thank you so much for the way you love us and you nurture us. And today we're talking about God's love and how God is is really a lot like that, that, that he is aware. We're going to find out that God, in his awareness, loves us. So I'm going to pray for us and ask that God would speak, and uh, we're going to jump right in. God, we invite you into this room, into this place. And it's not about the space, God. It's about us here, present, hearing from you. God, we know that, that our love isn't like yours, that our economy is not like yours, that the way we operate is not like you. And and God, we're here to hear from you, God, that we might take a step forward in knowing you, that we might take a step forward into this kind of love, God, that we might know you more, that the people around us might know you more and be blessed. God, would you do that kind of thing here, whether, whether we're here every week or we're here for the first time or whether we're here and this is a great day or whether we're here and this is a bad day, God, would you, would you come in and would you speak, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to jump right into this. This idea of aware, this word aware that we're calling uh, love, that love on display is aware. Um, here's technically what it means, and I want to start there. It means, it's an adjective, and it means having knowledge or perception of a situation or fact, okay? Con- or concerned and well-informed about a particular situation or development, okay? Aware, here's the difficulty with the word, and I'm going to bend and really kind of retool the word aware for us this morning, because aware you can be aware of something and not moved at all, right? You can be fully up to speed on a situation and be completely static about it, right? You can have full knowledge, you can have full, total perception, ins and outs of what's going on, and you can stay still. And the awareness that we're going to talk about today, at least God's kind of love awareness, is it's different than that. It's more like what he says, he uses the word visit, and I'm going to, again, this is his kind of awareness in James 1. In James 1.27, it says this. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after, and that's, that's the word to visit, 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And that look after, that awareness, is not to turn a blind eye. So you, you actually enter into the situation, you're fully appraised of it, and you act. You've, you're fully up to speed, and you engage, okay? To visit or to walk with, okay? Dave said a few weeks ago, he said really this idea of, of loving someone is to, to walk with them. That's the kind of aware that we're talking about. So you're fully up to speed, and we're aware. Now, just to get started, we're all aware of ourselves, okay? We don't need to spend a long time talking about this. We are all aware of ourselves. Whenever I get a text on the way home, uh, hey, buy broccoli and bread for the boys and a gallon of milk, okay? You know, once every couple weeks or something, you know, that's, that's what I need to bring home. There's something in the, in the refrigerator missing. I need to get it. I go and usually I forget one of those things. Let me just tell you the truth. I usually forget, even though it's on my text, I usually forget one of them. But what I never forget, what I'm always aware of, is the salsa that I like to get. Every time I go to the store, I buy smoky chipotle salsa, right? I don't even know what it's called. I know what it looks like. I buy it every time. I don't ever consider what kind of salsa my boys would like because they should like what I like, right? I am fully aware of myself and my tastes, and you are too. How many advertisements do we see a day? I don't know, hundreds, maybe dozens, something like that. Between what you get on email from Groupon or something like that, between what you hear on the radio, what you see on billboards or maybe on TV, you see hundreds, and most of them just flash right by you. Why? Because you don't care about them. You, you have no need for them. But when you see something you need, blink, right? I'm fully aware of it, and I, I might gravitate towards that. I might buy that, okay? We are all aware of ourselves. It is fully natural for us to become aware of something. Now, what we typically do is we put that thing on a letter. Let's say it's an advertisement, and it's something you want and something you need. Well, want anyways, and, uh, or maybe need, and you put it up there, and you're going to push away everything you need to do to keep away to get towards that, right? If you've got to save money for it, if you need to budget differently, you're going to make a plan so that you put that up there and you're going to climb up towards it. We're fully aware of ourselves, okay? Enough on that. Love makes us conversely aware of others, okay? When we enter into love, we become aware of others. Now, this takes time, all right? How many of you have ever received a gift from a child, maybe even some of you moms this morning, that really reflects more about them than it is about you, right? Maybe it's a gift like, you know, I can't, I've got a number of different things that my kids, they like for themselves that they've given to me as gifts, right? Because primarily, who are they wrapped up in? They're aware of who? Themselves, right? And they're expressing love as best they can, right? And marriage is a lot like that. I meet with new couples and, and pre-couples a lot, pre-marriage a lot, and they're already a couple, but you know what I'm saying? They, pre-marriage. And uh, here's the thing. Most people, when they start into a relationship, they are, they're saying, you would look good in my life. I love you. No, really what you're saying is, I love me, and you fit great into that, right? Isn't that what the first decade of marriage is like? It is. So let me just give you one of the 25 examples I could give you of things that I learned kind of in year 8, 9, and 10, all right? I learned in year 8, 9, and 10, somebody asked my wife, they said, hey, what kind of music do you like? And she said, well, you know, I like everything, you know, except country music. I don't like country music. And I'm like, all my mixtapes were country music. What are you talking about? Like, all those mixtapes I made while we were dating, like, 
And I really thought up until that point that she liked country music. I grew up in Ohio, and if I had a picture of me like from high school, I'd have on cowboy boots, and you know, I have cowboy hats, the whole thing. And so uh, they make great Halloween costumes years later, right? And so uh, here's the thing. I didn't know for eight years that she didn't like country music because I just, I liked it. And I just assumed that she would too. And she was nurturing and kind to me. She was aware of me, but I wasn't really aware of her, right? We never listened to hip-hop music. It was what she likes the most because I didn't like hip-hop music, right? And so for me, it took a number of years. It takes time to actually love one another, right? Some of you have like a gift that's really precious to you because someone finally figured out what you like, they became aware of you, and they gave it to you, okay? So love takes time, and and that kind of awareness is a really good marker for love. So gentlemen, let me just, this is a dude alert, okay? This is a dude alert today. So today, um, if your plan is right after this, like Cabela's Cafe, right? Like, because you want to take her out, you want to take your lady out to lunch, and uh, and you want it, you're kind of looking for a new fly rod anyways, and really, if you get a new fly rod, she can have your old one, right? And that's Mother's Day. Dude alert, right? That's not awareness, right? Unless, unless she's that one in a hundred girl, right? And she might be. Um, a lot of times, you and I, what we do is we are aware of us and we, we paste that on each other. And love compels us to become aware of others around us, Okay? God is aware of us in our desperate need, okay? God is this God who has everything. He is high and lifted up. He is in heaven. He is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, he whipped up earth through his breath, right? If you and I had that kind of power, if we had that kind of wealth, we wouldn't expect that we would take notion, or that we would take notice, excuse me, of someone in a far more desperate situation. In fact, we'd have people that would handle that. If you and I were in a situation like this, it would probably reflect a little bit of the humor of this video. You know, I flew here. How come the first class people just, they can just get on whenever they want? I've always hated that. First class people board at your leisure. Take your time, first class people. Coach people, no, wait, sit, sit, scuzz. Wait, little piggies. So when you do get on, the first class people, they're already sitting there. They're all sprawled out in their big thrones. Bring me the head of a pig. (laughs) And a goblet of something cool and refreshing. Anyone have a fiddle? Make someone from Coach fiddle for me. Amuse me. They have fiddles in the overhead racks up there. You're not allowed to even use their bathrooms. The bathrooms up front are for our first class passengers. The coach bathrooms are located at Newark Airport. Concourse C. Concourse C, ladies and gentlemen. So when you do board, the first class people, they're sitting there. A lot of them are working as you're boarding. They have computers out and calculators. 
They're looking up at you like, hey, we're making money right now. Right now we're making money. Go, get in the back. Close that curtain. I don't want to see it. Even in my peripheral. Ah, snap it. Snap it shut. What's the matter with us? They got to cover us up with a tarp. And you go in the back, everybody has coloring books. I... <laughs> Where was you at? You're in the middle, and there's nine of us, and you're in the middle, and we have all the armrests, so you gotta sit like this. You gotta figure out a way to eat your snack while your elbows are touching. You gotta learn how to twist your little plastic utensil. That's good. Isn't that great? He's kind of our house comedian. If you're here a while, you'll see him every four or five months. It's perfect. Hey, listen, that is what you and I create, though, right? If we have wealth and if we have power, we create a world where people around us are aware of us and our needs. Man, we don't want to have anything to do with people that we would leave behind, right? The old ladder illustration, we all in life, this is, this is the... This is the plan of life. I'm going to ascend this ladder. I'm going to leave behind everyone that I can leave behind, and I'm going to be in that first-class seat. And God really comes, and his whole economy is completely different. We fight, and we fight, and we fight our way up this ladder. And you know what? A lot of times we make our way up the ladder, right? If you work hard at it, you're disciplined at it, you're going to make your way up the ladder, right? And yet God comes in, and his economy is the exact opposite. That's the part that we just don't expect. God comes in and he says, I really am up the ladder. I'm up and, and you know what? My gaze is downward. My gaze isn't upward. My trend isn't upward. In fact, the entire gospel is God's condescension to you and I. The entire story we celebrate here each week is the exact opposite of the trend that you and I are all on. We celebrate him because he in his riches comes down to us. In fact, that's exactly what Philippians says. It says, Jesus, he was up, he was in heaven, and he didn't grasp the the privilege of heaven, something to be hung on to. He willingly chose down the ladder as a servant to walk with you and I in our desperate need. And God in love pursues us in our desperate need. That's what it says in Deuteronomy 10. In Deuteronomy 10, God describes himself like he does in most times through the entire Old Testament. And here's what he says in Deuteronomy 10. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. God cannot be bought, whether with our money or our time or or our good intentions. God is not bribed by who we are. He says this, this is God, this God who is God of gods, Lord of lords. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And he goes on to tell the Israelites, listen, because you're my people, I want you to love the people that I love. I want you to give attention to become aware of the people that I'm aware of. I want you to love the fatherless and the widow, to care for them, to love the alien, the foreigner, 
who's jobless in your midst. I want you to take care of them. I want you to be aware of them. And God, in his greatness, condescends to you and I. He chooses down the ladder. And it's really in that that we find the magic of the gospel, that God, who is up, descends down to you and I. I want to prove it to you, just in case you think I'm making this up. Jesus, specifically, does this all the time with the disciples. You can go to Mark chapter 6. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. In, in verse 30, in Mark 6, what God does is, Jesus does is he's with a group of people, and it says he looks at them, and, and he becomes aware. In verse 30, it says it lo- he looks at them, and he has compassion on them because they are like sheep without a shepherd. And what does he do? He teaches them many things of the kingdom. And as he's teaching them many things of the kingdom, excuse me, the disciples say this. <clears throat> they say, Jesus, we've been out here a long time. We're hungry, and these people around us are hungry. Like, send them away so they can go get food. And Jesus, knowing that there's spiritual need and physical need, he says to the disciples, you feed them. All right? And you know the story if you've been around church for a while. Jesus actually interacts with them, and he ends up multiplying from a lunchbox. He, he multiplies food for thousands and thousands of people. And they're amazed, and they're bewildered, and, and thrilled, and their bellies are full. And, and yet, God has provided this great meal, which satisfies physically temporary. And yet, there's a spiritual thing that he's shooting for that he isn't quite there yet. I, w- I want to share this with you, because over the course of the next year, you're going to hear this from me quite a bit. I want to really, I'm just going to touch on it now, but, but like, Jesus says on another occasion, he says, the poor you're always going to have with you. There's always going to be need, okay? So need is not the predominant goal. Like just satisfying the need temporarily is not the predominant goal. Jesus is always looking to transform people, right? And the first people that he speaks to are who? They're the disciples, the ones that he wants to be the givers, right? He wants to transform the giver. He wants to transform the receiver and... And hopefully lunch gets served, right? Hopefully there's a little bit of suffering that gets alleviated, right? We're going to see suffering all the time, always, right? We're going to put a dent in it in some places and other places it's going to grow. And yet what God is shooting for is transformation of the individual, right? And we're going to talk about why it's right to always work towards suffering because he's going to transform us in the process. Okay, you're going to hear that more and more and more from me. But here's the thing. God is aware of the need, and he says, you feed them. So he feeds them, but the spiritual transformation hasn't happened yet. And so what he does is he sends his disciples out in Mark 6, sends them out into the middle of a storm. They don't know they're going into a storm, but he does. And he goes up on the mountainside and prays, and it says that Jesus can supernaturally see out to them. He sees them straining at the oars, and this is where verse 50 comes in. So Mark six fifty. this is what happens. In the dead of the night, right before dawn, in the darkest spot, he says this, they all saw him. It says he walked out to them. He walks out on the water to them and it says, they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, take courage, it's I, do not be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed for they had not understood what? They had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. You see, they had not understood the spiritual lesson yet. And Jesus goes towards them. What's the spiritual lesson they needed to learn? That he's the savior, that he's God that he's rich in power and abundance, that if he can feed 5,000 or more people, he can take care of a squall. What does he want you to know and I to know? He wants you and I to know 
that he's the Savior. He's God who has everything. He's rich in love, and, and he can condescend. He can come down to save you and I. He wants you and I to know we don't have to run this same race that everyone else in the world runs. He wants you to understand that the God of the universe, who is rich in love, wants to put love on display in you and I. Abundantly. If you had unlimited resources, would you not daily make someone's day or year? Wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't you leave $100 with the McDonald's person, right, when you go through and you grab a cup of coffee? You totally would because you could. Would that, save, would that change their life forever? No, but you would bless them hugely in that moment. You would have abundance. And what God wants you to do, he wants you to know, you're not trapped in this same trajectory that everyone else is trapped in. He wants you to live this love out abundantly and choose down the ladder. Choose down the ladder. Everyone else can do nothing but choose up the ladder. God in his wealth and abundance chooses down the ladder. And he says, my kids are going to choose down the ladder because you understand the huge abundance that you have. Choose down the ladder. So I want to invite two guys up. Russ and Jason, come on up. Uh, these two guys, uh, the reason I'm bringing them up is, is they really encountered this idea earlier this year, about five months ago, in a fresh way. So many of you have, um, have encountered this idea, and you're doing different things. You're doing um, different ways of choosing down the ladder. And so this way of choosing down the ladder is not the only one, but for you, it might be exactly the step God has for you, wants you to take we have a lot of leaders who are serving in South Salt Lake, who are serving in developing relationships with our, with our works in Honduras and Swaziland, all over the city. And so we're, we're so grateful for how some of you are leading us to choose down the ladder. And so I want to share with you, this is Jason Orvis and Russ Johnson. Welcome, these guys. Thank you for being here with me. About five months ago, really, this whole idea of choosing down the ladder really kind of smacked these guys in the face. And so... Uh, just share a little bit with us about that. We've got about eight minutes. Sorry. So I, I remember there were palm trees involved, and I was like, I was on a beach in in Hawaii, and I was kind of looking back at last year, and I just spent like the bulk of December doing doing a whole bunch of charity work, mm-hmm. and I was feeling pretty hot about that whole thing, and um, and God like dropped on me and said, Hey, look, mm. if you're going to be a Christian. You know, you can either be in the bleachers or you can be playing the game. If you're going to wear the T-shirt and play the game, here's what it looks like. Like thousands of times in the scriptures, I say, go to the poor and the powerless. And what you're doing in your life that you're feeling so grandiose about, it's not the cake of your life. It's not even the icing of your life. It's like the sprinkles on the icing of your life. And if you're going to walk with me, this is what's next. And uh, I'm like, excuse me? And that was not the answer I wanted and not the answer my (laughs) wife wanted. And um, we we were both feeling the same thing. And so God said, I said, well, okay, so how do we do this program and how are we going to figure this out so we can go out and alleviate poverty and blah, blah, blah. And God said, none of that. You're going to do none of that. There's no program here. What you're going to do is land, get a couple hours of sleep, and you're going to go to the poor and the powerless. Your poor and the powerless. In Salt Lake. In Salt Lake City. And, um, and I got off the plane and walked out into that space, um, and everything changed. So, Russ, tell us a little bit about, for you, same, same week, later that week, really, how were you ready to kind of dive whole hog into 
kind of, I'm going to walk with people in this situation in the homeless community. Okay. Um, it's kind of like Lad's example. I always felt in my life I was to climb this ladder. Once I got at a certain part on the ladder, then I could help other people, you know, kind of reach down, pull people up, fix stuff. Um, <laughs> and my life kind of fell apart in November and December, and I found myself with a lot of time on my hands. I think Jason knew this. I get a call from him in Hawaii saying we've read this book by Bob Goff, Love Does, and my life's about to change, and you want to join me type thing. And so he landed and gave me the book and started reading it. Uh, but before that, I said, well, how are you doing? What are you changing? And he said, I'm going down on the street. And I was kind of like, to do what? <laughs> and he's like, make some friends. I was like, all right. So I met him down on the street, and it's just been an amazing experience as I realized that when I was kind of at the bottom of the ladder in my head is actually where God kind of met me, and, and I actually was in a position to to be there for others. Tell me a little bit, Russ, just about that idea of friendship. So you have, you've entered in, you guys say, hey, we're part of the homeless community here, and these guys, we're asking them to really help lead us. In fact, many of you have joined them on the street, and our students have joined them in, in some different activities. And so how, um, what is it actually like to, to go from thinking of that being a different community to saying, these are my friends, these are my family? Right, and thanks for everybody that's joined us down there in our different events. Thank that's you. Awesome. Um, so I went down and just started learning, you know, it was simple, it was, hi, my name's Russ, what's yours? Uh, the first three guys I met was Kenny, and I thought that everybody was going to tell me Kenny, and they thought that we were police. Um, turns out there's more, more names than just Kenny. Um, so I just went down and Maybe just... Maybe it's K2 Ken. Yeah. Maybe it's K2 Kenny. And it, yeah. was, and it was just as simple as introducing myself, and just like we share life with our friends in, in here... Um, we just started sharing life with them. If I wanted to go get lunch, hey, what are you doing? Let's go get lunch. And, and we just built these relationships. And it's been phenomenal. Cool. Um, so you said that there are no goals. We're going, we're making friends. And what, what's actually the magic in not having expectations of these relationships when we enter into this community? So in my experience, you know, th there's a lot of things we do that are doing good. Mm -hmm. Um, that ends up being about me. Well, it, it almost always ends up being about me. And um, th this way, um, and just moving into committed friendships, transforms, well, uh, walking with the poor and the powerless transforms me. Hmm. Um, I remember I this one of the first guys I met on the street, he's become an extremely close friend of mine, um, and he's battling a vicious heroin addiction. And uh, he got into treatment, and he was in methadone treatment. If you know anything about methadone treatment, it's every single day. You know, you got to be there every morning, and you work your way with methadone off heroin. And he, one day, he and I were leaving here. We were taking coffee downtown, and he's like, you know, we just it's so cool that you guys are here every day, and we just look at that, and we just know it's just so cool. You guys are such good people, blah, blah, blah. And I just laughed, and I said, dude, dude, this is my methadone treatment. Um, hmm. Coming down to the street is my methadone treatment. I'm totally addicted to me. Hmm. I'm a totally a total selfish addict, and coming hmm. to, coming to coming into your community hmm. and walking with God there—it's so <laughs> the only thing that breaks my addiction. I got to do it every single day, um, just like methadone. Could it be that that specifically is exactly what God calls us to? That He calls us to taking choosing a step down the ladder as is actually that that treatment for our own love of ourselves. 
our own addiction to us. That's cool. So, Russ, tell, tell us a little bit, first of all, like, what, what does it actually look like for a guy like me? So, I do stuff the rest of the week. I've got a job, and um, this is my job, just in case you're not clear on that. Um, so, I've got a job, and, um, and so I might have a little more flexibility than somebody else, but let's say somebody else works 60 hours a week construction, right? And um, so, how do they enter into this? Because you guys are full-time down there. You're leading us down there, and we're really grateful for it, but, but I'm never going to know every Ken guy down there, you know? Right. Um, the cool thing with the street is it's open 24-7. There's always somebody awake, okay? Um, so that makes, it, that makes it nice for people with busy schedules. Um, just as simple as, as we, we throw different park parties, things like that, street parties, join us for those is an easy way to get involved, kind of dip your toe in the water. Um, we'd also love to see you know, you guys having committed friendships where somebody, you know, you meet at one of these parties and you're like, wow, I really liked him. He was cool. Um, we're doing a barbecue on Sunday with the family. You want to come? Um, you know, hey, how about coffee next week? That type of thing. Hmm. Um, I've got a lot of friends that we, we text during the week. You know, I text other friends and they text me and we all text each other and they just become... I'm living life with them. And specifically, what you guys are good at is you guys are good at saying, hey, here's, here's a person who is ready to take next steps in their life, right? And, and they are, these are the next three steps that they want to go to. And they need, a, they need someone who loves them. They need a, a friend to help them navigate these. And you guys are kind of, you guys have took, taken maybe a half a dozen people and paired them up with somebody here at K2. And now they have a friendship. And some of them are off the street and already into a job and a house and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, like Scott, you were, yep. we were paired up with Scott, and Scott's off the street. And, but that's not the goal. I mean, we don't, this is, the goal is time. Whatever their goal is. Yeah, we measure, we measure our success in units of time and listening and love. That's it. And it makes it so easy and so free. Cool. Hey, listen, there's, there's a ton more to talk about. If you're in a Life Together group, love to have you uh, check in with Russ or Jason and say, hey, come to my Life Together group and tell us a little bit more about this because what you're talking about, I'm interested, but it's a little bit hard for me to grasp onto, you know? And so if you'd like for them to come and share at your Life Together group, they'd be more than welcome to do that. They'd be more than happy to do that. Also, outside we have a tent. And listen, today, if... Let me just say this. Today, I would love for you to consider choosing down the ladder. Would you, would you take a step towards saying, God, who have you put in my life or in my world that you want me to be aware of? Maybe I don't even know them yet. Maybe I'm supposed to be aware of someone else that, that you want me to love because you've given me so much. Who am I supposed to be aware of? And not on this wheel like every other mouse trying to serve myself and climb this ladder. Who am I supposed to be aware of? And so for you, if this is you, man, I would love to have you sign up outside. There's guys outside in the tents um, with these same street crew shirts on. And if you want to know what a possible committed friendship looks like with somebody that is ready for a next step, then I would love to have you sign up on that. If you just want to know more about it, or even if you want to have these guys come and talk to your Life Together group, that'd be great. Come, and uh, that's out in the tent outside. But for all of you, what does it look like for you to take a step down the ladder and to serve the ones that God said, if you love me, if you have my love inside you, you're going to love these. The widow, the orphan, the alien, the, the broken, the homeless, those ones in our midst who need to know the love of God. All right, choose down the ladder. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.